This program is a paid commercial announcement and in no way represents the views of WPHT or its management. This is Women to Watch. To rise above all of the noise and fulfill every last one of your dreams. Women to Watch, sharing the real stories of the most accomplished women in the world. It is for those frightened children who want peace. It is for those voiceless children who want change. Be inspired by women from across the globe who are encouraging more women to pursue their dreams. True philanthropy comes from living from the heart of yourself and giving what you have been given. Now, Women to Watch. Here's your host, Sue Rocco. Good evening, everybody, and thank you so much for tuning in to another week of Women to Watch here on Talk Radio 1210 WPHT. My name is Susan Rocco, and I'm thrilled to be with you every Sunday night to bring you the life stories of women leaders from around the world. My guest today is going to be Jocelyn Lee, who is the Director of Digital Business Development for Hearst Television. Um, I'd like to uh, give a quick shout out and a thank you to Jefferson University Hospital and Baird Investments for their sponsorship of Women to Watch, helping us to bring you the show every week. And uh, be sure to stick around for our Health Watch later in the show, where Dr. Marianne Ritchie of Jefferson is going to be stopping in to give us the latest updates on reflux and how to manage it. Um, And also be sure to visit our website at womentowatch.net for all things related to the show, including our lineup and our Girls to Watch blog and our video series. You can find us at womentowatch.net. That's women, the number two, watch.net, N-E-T. So I'd like to get started right off the bat with our very, very special guest. She's calling in from New York City. And again, her name is Jocelyn Lee. She's the Director of Digital Business Development for Hearst Television. Jocelyn, welcome to the show. Thanks, Susan. It's great to be on here today. It's great to have you. And you and I spoke, uh, I guess, a month or so ago about your work at Hearst Television. And I'm real excited to talk to you today about kind of the future of of TV, uh, where it's headed, whether, you know, we're going to be... Um, looking at cable, digital, network TV, all that good stuff around, you know, kind of what's been developing over the past couple of years. And um, and I want to talk about the work that you do with the Hearst Lab uh, Scouts, which is a wonderful program that Hearst is doing for women entrepreneurs. Um, but before we get into all of that, I'd love to learn a little bit more about the young Jocelyn growing up in San Francisco um, as the oldest of two girls. Yeah, I was born and raised in San Francisco and, um, you know, had the, uh, the fortune to, to literally grow up in the city itself. And uh, we lived in a more residential, kind of more suburban part of the city, but got to experience life as a city kid. And uh, it was fun. It was, uh, it was definitely a great place to grow up. Can you tell me a little bit about your family? Yeah, so my parents both came to the States, uh, you know, at, as 30, 30-something-year-olds, and uh, my dad came first. He followed his brothers uh, who had come to the States to do graduate work. One of them went to med school uh, in the U.S. The other one went to graduate school in engineering, and so he came and joined his siblings 
And after he and my mom got married in Taiwan, she also moved out here. So I was born here. You were born here. Okay. And, and mom and dad are both from Taiwan? Yes. Yeah. Yes. And tell me a little bit about what, you know, their parenting style was with you growing up. You know, um, we had talked about the importance of education within the Asian culture. And I wonder what their messaging was to you as one of two girls um, as far as your career path. Sure. I think my parents were sort of typical Asian parents, you know, typical what, what we would call now tiger parents. They definitely pushed both me and my sister a lot. And education was the number one thing. Education was the thing that would propel us into success and position us best uh, moving forward into life and into our careers. So growing up in San Francisco, I think, is a little different from if we were living in the suburbs somewhere or if we were living in a smaller town. So it's different because we had to, they had to navigate the school, the school system. And it wasn't easy as just saying, you know, we're going to send her to the public school in town or the nearest school. Um, They had to really figure out what was the best place to send us to school, how to get into those schools, how to get through the admissions process. Mm -hmm. And uh, they were fortunate in that there were others before them who were friends from Taiwan or friends from France, friends of France. And those people had kids who were either my age or a little bit older and had navigated the process already. And uh, they were able to help out and, and just give guidance and recommendations on how we could best position ourselves to get into the right schools. So I remember that conversation being a huge running theme throughout my grade school years. Mm. So did you always, um, let's say, know what your direction was going to be? I know you went on and got a a BA in business economics from UCLA. Mm -hmm. Was business always your interest? It was my interest for a long time. My my first career aspiration, probably when I was in fifth grade or so, I was really into reading mysteries. <laughs> I was I loved books like Nancy Drew and so forth. And at first, I thought I wanted to be a detective, so that was my first thing. <laughs> <laughs> I think a lot of us wanted to. If we read those books, that we wanted to be Nancy Drew. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Right. It's just it's life is a big adventure when you're a detective. That's so right. that seemed pretty fun. Yeah. In high school, I at one point wanted to be a journalist. You know, I was interested in writing. Then I sort of got interested in the idea of being in business. And of course, my parents being Asian parents, they try to push on me a little bit the idea of becoming a doctor or becoming an engineer. And those are wonderful fields. I have friends who are in those fields. But I knew it wasn't for me. You know, mm-hmm. I was I was uh, pretty good at math. I wasn't particularly passionate about science, though. And I knew that those were not the paths I was going to take. Right. So pretty early on, I started managing their expectations around that. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's hard. You know, I think that's difficult when, when our parents have a, an idea of, of where we should go and, and we have a different idea. Those are, can be some tough conversations. Yes, definitely. Yeah, I think that they they saw what I naturally gravitated towards. Um, I I tried to do well in school regardless. I always wanted to do my best, whether 
whether I was going to be a doctor or engineer or be in business or whatever, um, it didn't really matter. I just tried to be good um, and then get good grades all across the board. Yeah. But um, looking back, uh, I was just talking about this with my best friend who went to my same high school. And we were reminiscing that in senior year, in our school newspaper, we had predictions for each member of the graduating class. Mm-hmm. So basically, a friend of yours would submit a prediction of where you would be, let's say, in 20 years or so. And my prediction was that Jocelyn Lee will move to New York and become the CEO of Sam Goody. <laughs> <laughs> random but okay well right. why sam it, goody it was it was kind of random but not really I, yeah. we were really into music i played piano growing up so i was into all kinds of music and sam goody was kind of the mu- big music store that we would oh, always okay. go to on the weekends in yeah. downtown san francisco and we would listen to whatever cd was playing and that was kind of our weekend activity mm-hmm. but i i mentioned that only to say that part of that became true i did move to new york city that's right and clearly i had an interest in some sort of media or entertainment career yes so, yes yeah. that's so funny I, those are always a lot of fun when you know the 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 kids pick most likely to a b c or d and Often it's not what you, you know, the perceptions of your friends, it's not what you think. Exactly, exactly. Yeah. So tell me about your, um, you went on to get an MBA at Columbia. And, um, you know, Columbia is one of the top schools in the country. And I'd love to hear from you a little bit about what your confidence level was at that time going to a university where you're just surrounded by so many other bright students. Yeah, Columbia was an amazing experience. I loved my time in the program. I was so excited to be going to an Ivy League MBA program and to be able to stay right here in New York City, which uh, is where I had been for a couple years prior to that. And I would say that the caliber of my fellow classmates was really high. And a lot of people did come from the really traditional fields of banking, um, some early level consulting. Those are kind of the the typical profiles of people entering the MBA programs. Mm-hmm. And what set me apart and gave me extra confidence was that I didn't actually come from those fields. And the fact that I could contribute something different to the classroom discussion and set myself apart. Mm. So... My career at that point was as a financial analyst, and I had started my career at Intel just out of UCLA. I made a move over into media um, and was an analyst at Paramount Pictures in Hollywood, worked on motion picture side of the business as well as the TV show side of the business, doing all the financial P&Ls and so forth, and then moved to New York and was working at Time Warner. Um, Kind of a similar role as at Paramount, but just broader, you know, working with the Warner Brothers studio and managing their budgets and forecasting. And so that was really different. I don't think there was anyone else in my graduating class at Columbia who had that background. So it gave me a certain level of um, 
perspective. Yeah. That was unique. Yeah. Hold that thought for me because when we come back, I want to talk about your first job out of school. You're listening to Women to Watch. My name is Susan Rocco, and I'm joined by Jocelyn Lee, Director of Digital Business Development for Hearst TV. We'll be right back. Welcome back, everyone, to another week of Women to Watch here on Talk Radio 1210 WPHT. My name is Susan Rocco, and I'm joined today by Jocelyn Lee, Director of Digital Business Development for Hearst Television. And I wanted to ask you, Jocelyn, your your very first job out of Columbia, was that with Intel? My first job out of my MBA program, no, it was actually at Yahoo. Okay. Tell me a little bit about that experience. That's a you know very big, well-known company. What uh, what were some of the things you took from that job? Some of your, um, you know, what lessons I, I I'll say were some of the the best. Sure, I actually had interned at Yahoo during the summer between my first and second years at Columbia. So that was my MBA internship, mm-hmm. and I went out to LA for the summer, um, which was you know no big deal because I had lived in LA before. And I worked at Yahoo Media Group, which at that point in time was located in Santa Monica. And I ended up working on the founding team of Yahoo Shine. So now we can kind of rewind back. This was 2007. Mm-hmm. And Yahoo was in the midst of a change. Um, Jerry Yang had just become the CEO again. And... As we were launching this site called Yahoo Shine, it became clear that we were launching a site that had never been created before at this company. Um, it was a site that was created for women, 25 to 54, kind of a lifestyle site. Um, it was going to be populated with both editorial content. Um, it could be fashion. It could be beauty. It could be food. But it would also include user-generated content, and, would, and it would have a community. So the fact that it was created for a specific demographic, the chief household officer, if you will, that was new to Yahoo. So it was super exciting to be a part of that. I helped develop the social media strategy for the site, completed my internship, got a full-time offer to come back post-graduation, um, and then moved out there after I was done with my MBA. And uh, I in that role, started full-time as a product marketing manager. And it was interesting. It was a real big change from being a financial analyst. Um, I had gone to business school to specifically make that functional switch. I had wanted to get out of the analyst side of my career and do something that was a little bit more creative. Mm, And so in this role, it was a lot of working with the product team, working with the content team, making recommendations, figuring out how to influence them through my recommendations. And it's different from being a financial analyst because being an analyst is a little bit more, you know you're working with data, you, you know you're working with numbers, there's, there's much more of a rhythm to it. Mm-hmm. And being a product marketer is um, sort of a more flexible kind of a role where you have to listen a lot to what your cross-functional counterparts are thinking about, what they're concerned about, what they're curious about, what they want to explore, and you have to kind of plug into that. So it was definitely an interesting position and, and a good one for me to get into post-MBA. 
Were there, what was the, um, the percentage of women and men at Yahoo at that time? I don't know offhand. I would say it was pretty evenly split mm-hmm. that I could see at uh, at the media group, certainly. Okay. You know, it's interesting that you seem to have an aptitude for both, you know, numbers, analytics, and then you have this creative side. Which which do you connect to more? You know, I've, def- I've definitely taken those tests where they ask you if you're right brain or left brain. Yeah, right. <laughs> <laughs> Just to answer the same question you asked me. And I'm a little bit of both. Um, I definitely have that analytic side of me. It's really strong. I love getting into the numbers and, and trying to figure out a story. But I also like being able to step back a little bit and say, well, what's really going on here? And what can we do that would, would help change the story? Um what new ideas can we bring into the picture? So I think it's a little bit of both for me. Yeah, and you know what? In in your industry, um, you certainly need equal amounts of both. You know, one supports the other. Um, the ability for us today to have all these analytics and, and numbers are uh, driving the way we create marketing campaigns. So, you know, it's interesting. Um, if, if you're just tuning in, you're listening to Women to Watch. My name is Sue Rocco, and I'm joined this evening by Jocelyn Lee, the Director of Digital Business Development for Hearst TV. Uh, You know, prior to joining Hearst, you ran podcast partnerships at New York Public Radio. I'd love for you to talk a little bit about why you think podcasts are so hot right now. (laughs) I think that the the evolution of podcasts is so fascinating because they've been around for 20 years and they in their original iteration were just sort of a technology and you had to plug in your your um your listening device into your computer and that's how you would get your podcast and it's so much more of a streamlined experience now to do that which is amazing mm-hmm. um and it's really transformed itself into a medium. It's, it's a way that people are entertaining themselves in the car often or on the subway during long commutes or just while you're in the house doing housework. So I think that people enjoy it because it can often be more intimate. Mm-hmm. It's different from watching an interview on YouTube or on TV. You often feel like the people the show host and whoever they're interviewing, they're in your ear. And that can definitely make for a different kind of entertainment experience. And I think that there are podcasts on so many different topics. Um, That's also been really attractive um, to to grab different kinds of audiences. Yeah, I think there's something certainly different about just hearing a voice and a conversation um, as opposed to the visual. And I think, you know, in today's world, we have so much um, information overload as we go out um, in our day that sometimes just listening can be um, an escape from all that. Yeah, I think it's it's turned into somewhat of a, a daily habit for people, especially for people who are commuting. When I lived in L.A., I used to listen to NPR, um, the local affiliate there with KCRW. Mm -hmm. So I loved their music. I loved the music their DJs had playlists for. Um, And so I would listen to that 
on my commute in, on my commute out, but, you know, the morning edition and all things considered, both shows, great. You know, just it just felt like a great way to get information and not feel like you're being bombarded um, with excess commentary. Right, exactly. Um, tell me, what's the most difficult part of your job? Of my current job? Yes. Mm-hmm. I'd say it is, the challenge is a little bit what makes it interesting is the balance between more of the day-to-day operational stuff and then making time and doing a lot of digging into strategic things, you know, things that are more meaty, things that take a lot more time and have a longer road to completion, you know, just balancing the two and making sure there's a good balance. Um, But I enjoy it and it's actually what makes my job most exciting. And it also means that there's never a dull day. That's right. That's right. Uh, We're going to take another uh, quick break. When we come back, let's get right into Hearst Lab and and what uh, Hearst is doing for women entrepreneurs. You're listening to Women to Watch. We'll be right back. Welcome back. You're listening to Women to Watch on Talk Radio 1210 WPHT. Uh, My name is Susan Rocco, and I'm joined this afternoon by Jocelyn Lee, Director of Digital Business Development for Hearst Television. And uh, I'm excited to talk about the Hearst Lab with you, Jocelyn. I think um, what you're doing there is so incredibly um, exciting for particularly female entrepreneurs who are looking, you know, they have ideas and they have startups and they really need all kinds of resources and support. So, um, for the listeners who are not familiar with it, can you you know tell us exactly what it is and what you're providing? Sure. Hearst Lab is an incubator program here in the Hearst Tower in New York. And it is a program, a greenhouse initiative for early stage women-led startups. And how it works is we actually see a lot of startups that come in through the door. Um, they all need to be run by women, and we will take a small investment, you know, we will provide funding, um, and we will also provide services in the form of, it could be anything from legal support to mentorship and and guidance from folks like myself, um, and general connectivity, whether it's within Hearst, within the company, or whether it's through relationships outside of Hearst. And all of the startups that come in through our doors do work out of the tower. So they actually sit here and they have their home base in the tower. And I think that adds a lot to the community itself. I guess that gives, you know, um, all of these entrepreneurs the opportunity to network and, and perhaps, you know, find uh, new clients or give referrals. Yes, definitely. Uh, there's There's been a strong handful of startups who have been able to find applications for their business, for their whatever service or platform they are providing, um, and they're able to work with business units here at Hearst. Um, sometimes it's piloting something here at Hearst, and that gives them the the validity and the jumping off point to partner with other companies 
um, that are similar to Hearst and, and could benefit in a similar way. So are these startups all in uh, one genre? In other words, are they all media startups or are they from different industries? No, they actually span many different industries. We do have a media startup in there um, by the name of Mogul, which is like a, a Reddit for millennial women. Mm-hmm. But we also have had startups that are e-commerce focused, gaming, data security. Um, we have a startup called Wealthy that is a, a caretaker concierge service. So it really spans uh, a very wide spectrum. And so we're not focused on just media startups. I would say that we're looking for startups that can benefit from being a part of the Hearst community mm-hmm. uh, through our connectivity and through our expertise. But it's also something where we can benefit from working with and learning from that startup. Can you tell me as an advisor what some of the attributes are that you look for um, in these entrepreneurs, in these women entrepreneurs, and also what you know, what do you see that kind of says to you this this one's going to be a success? As an advisor, I will meet startups when they come into the tower for one of the initial meetings, and a few things I look for: obviously, passion for their business for what they're doing, mm-hmm. some sort of expertise, um, or solving a problem that that person has had or solving a need that they've had. And I really look for founders who are polished, meaning they've done their homework, not only on their business and who their competitors are and what differentiates them from their competitors, but also how would they work with Hearst? How can we help them? How how can they help us? And I'm looking for reasons that are not generic. So it's all of those things combined that will give me a gut feeling about the business. Okay. I, I hear that a lot. Uh, the, the first two things that you mentioned, obviously a passion, you know, for what you do um, and then solving a need. And in today's, you know, in today's world, there's just an abundance of, of women looking to start their own businesses. Can you, you know, offer some advice, something that you see has worked for um, some of the women that you have worked with? I think that if you can focus on putting your head down, getting your work done, networking, mentorship, which could be formal or informal, um, and, you know, mentorship can take the form of a founder of, a, of another startup, um, or it could be somebody who is much more senior or somebody who has expertise in your space. Um, it could be any of those things. Um, and really going for it. You know, those are, those are the main things that are the recipe for success. And I would say that those characteristics don't just describe successful women startup founders, but just successful people in general, successful women. Right, right. How about how about mentors in your life or someone who, um, you know, believed in you throughout your career? Yeah, I've had mentors and continue to have mentors from 
different parts of my life. And I take inspiration and guidance from people who have been my managers, not necessarily women. You know, some of them are men. Um, some of them are peers uh, of mine. And some of them are even my college roommates who, you know, one of them is a doctor, one of them is a DA, the other one is managing engineering programs at a university. You know, I think that as a woman, you have to have your own personal board of directors. And sometimes people plug in at different times, and sometimes you won't talk to others for a while. But I think it's good to have people who can provide different perspectives at different points in your career and your life. You know, we talk a lot on the show about um, this new surge, which is a really wonderful, positive thing of of women producers and directors in both film and television. And uh, I wonder if you can just give me your opinion on why the industry needs women in particular behind the camera creating. I think you need women behind the camera because you need a diversity of perspectives because the world is diverse and you need um, entertainment media to reflect what is around you. And if you only have one type of person behind the camera, you're not going to get that richness of experience. You're not going to get that richness of perspective. So I think it really benefits all of us to have women behind the camera. And, you know, do you think that um, there's so many organizations and initiatives and um, conversations going on around the country about women in business? And I, I sometimes wonder what, what the men are thinking about all of this and are they feeling a little bit left out? <laughs> we're, get, we're getting all the attention. Um, what, what, are your, what are your thoughts on that? And, and, and actually, you know, tell me why you think in general, um, you know, we, we're talking about leadership, not just women as business owners and um, leaders, but really, you know, leadership to a point where it will have positive impact across all industries. What is it about women that you see that you think is necessary in, in really helping a business or an organization um, do better? So that's, that is multifaceted statement and question. Um, maybe unpack the first part for me, Susan, if you can. Oh, sure. Well, in other words, what, what do you think the attributes of women are that help a business or organization be more successful. Um, we talk about kind of the generic men are more analytical and, um, you know, they're problem solvers and women are more collaborative and um, maybe more broad thinking. What are, your, what are your views? I think what sets women apart in, in providing value is there's a few things. There's a lot of things, but... Um, I would focus on empathy, being collaborative. Um, you know, women are often tapped to come into an organization that is in need of a turnaround. Um, 
and I think women come in and they roll up their sleeves and have a can-do attitude. Um, you know, I think men do that too. Um, I just think that sometimes women's style can be somewhat different. But again, the stats show that when you have women representation on your board of directors or at your C-level suite, it makes a difference in how your company financially performs. So the proof's in the pudding. There you go. That's right. Uh, We're going to take another break. If you're just tuning in, you're listening to another week of Women to Watch. My name is Susan Rocco, and I'm speaking to Jocelyn Lee, the Director of Digital Business Development for Hearst Television. We'll be right back. Welcome back, everyone. You're listening to Women to Watch with Sue Rocco, and I'm speaking to Jocelyn Lee, the Director of Digital Business Development for Hearst Television. And Jocelyn, I'd love to chat with you for a few minutes about some of your own personal uh, goals, uh, perhaps some future plans that you have for yourself. Sure. Um, Did you want to be more specific or just... uh... What am I thinking future term? Well, in other words, you know, outside of your job there with Hearst, um, is there anything else that you kind of have in your mind as a uh, future goal, something that you want to do or accomplish? Maybe something on a bucket list? (laughs) (laughs) Well, let's see. Um, You know, professionally, I'd, I'd love to to run something one day, you know, be in an operational role. uh, And that's definitely... That's definitely something that is in my sights for a longer term. Mm-hmm. Maybe be that CEO that your classmates thought you would be. <laughs> right, exactly, exactly. <laughs> it wouldn't be for Sam Goody this time around, but right. it would be for something else. Right. <laughs> <laughs> and personally, you know, love to travel. So something that's been on my bucket list for a while is traveling to Japan. So mm. at some point, hopefully not in the too far off future, I'll get to do that. That would be a wonderful trip. That's actually on my bucket list. I'd love to go there. Um, so tell me, I, one of my favorite questions is is asking women what their mantra is. So in other words, when you wake up in the morning and you your plans are what they are for the day and then everything goes awry, um, what, what is your mantra? What do you kind of say to yourself to get you through those challenging times? My mantra is show up. You know, like show up, even if one thing doesn't go as great as you thought it would, in the next hour, you're going to be working on something else. And so that's your opportunity to to do your best again and to make a difference and make an impact. So, so show up and do the best I can. And at the end of the day, I can go to sleep knowing that I really, really tried to make a difference, and that's that's my ongoing mantra. Kind of just do it. Yeah. The Nike mantra. <laughs> Basically. <right? laughs> yes, exactly. <laughs> that's a good one. And how about for um, – there's been a lot of talk this week around um, confidence in young girls – and, you know, we, we talk about that a lot on the show as well, because I think it's important to start early um, with young girls if we want to help build self-esteem and confidence. And um, I think in the world of TV, sometimes the messaging and, and what they're seeing, um, you know, plays into their insecurities in, in kind of seeking perfection. 
Um, I know you don't have children of your own, but what would you say to the young girls of, of this generation in really kind of holding on to that uh, belief in themselves when they're seeing so much in media um, that makes them feel, you know, that, that need to be perfect in every area? I think that's a really good and interesting topic. I think that kids that are growing up these days, they're bombarded with many more messages than I was when I was growing up. Mm -hmm. And I wasn't really allowed to watch that much television uh, growing up either. But, you know, now with social media being the way it is um, and, and being such a big part of daily lives, I think that young girls should focus on thinking about what they enjoy doing, you know, different hobbies, different passions, what they like to learn about, what they're curious about and really honing in on those things and, and indulging those, those hobbies and, and learning more about what makes them tick. And I think that when you form a stronger sense of yourself, having done those things, it makes you much more um, less susceptible to negative messages that you might find coming across in places like social media. Mm. So, you know, focus on yourself, focus on learning, being the best version of yourself. Know that you can accomplish whatever you want to do. You just need to spend the time and your brain thinking about it. Yeah, I, I think it's great what you said about um, determining what it is you're curious about. I think that can often lead to uh, you know, your passion and, and what you should be doing in a career. That curiosity, I think, is really key. Yes, and it's not just helpful for forming a stronger sense of self, but I think a sense of curiosity and a strong willingness to learn will also serve younger people well in their careers. It'll really carry them far. Yeah. That's great. Jocelyn, listen, I, I thank you so much for taking time out of your busy day to join us. And if anyone's listening and, and would like some more information about the Hearst Lab, um, can you give out your contact information? Um, they can go to the HearstLab.com website to find out more information and just go from there. And is the, is the Hearst Lab separate from uh, Hearst Lab Scouts? So Hearst Lab is the name of the incubator program, mm -hmm. and then the Scouts is women executives from across Hearst who are plugged into the program and help evaluate the companies as they come in to be considered for um, entry into the program. Um, and the Scouts also help mentor and provide guidance. And so they're actually a big part of the Hearst Lab program, and I'm an advisor scout. Okay, terrific. Well, listen, um, keep up the good work. I think it's really a, a great thing that Hearst is doing for all of these young entrepreneurs, um, and I wish you continued success. Thanks so much, Susan. Thank you, Jocelyn. Great to chat with you. Great to talk to you. Women to Watch. Women to Watch. Now, Sue Rocco. And I'm excited to have our weekly Health Watch contributor with me in the studio, Dr. Marianne Ritchie of Jefferson University Hospital. 
And today you're going to be talking about something I think is very important to a lot of people. Um, I know it's in my family, um, reflux and kind of the ins and outs and what we should be looking for and what we should be doing. It is so common. Thank you, Susan. So happy to be here. And it's normal to have it once in a while, but twice a week or more is defined as gastroesophageal reflux disease, more commonly known as GERD. And there are plenty of over-the-counter meds, but if your pain doesn't go away, my first question is, is this heartburn or heart disease? Because people who have had heart attacks often look back and say, I thought it was just heartburn. Mm. The warning signs that chest pain might be from your heart Ask, did it come with exertion? Were you climbing steps? Were you at the gym lifting a heavy box? Were you short of breath? Did you feel sweaty, dizzy, weak? Did you feel your heart palpitating or did pain go into your shoulder? These signs need immediate attention. And the other pearl might be, maybe this fluid is an acid. Maybe have you had your gallbladder removed? You can be healthy without your gallbladder. It's actually a luxury to own a gallbladder. It's kind of like a garage. Without it, you drive up and down the street looking for a space. Without your gallbladder, your bile is free to swim up and down. If it goes up into your stomach or esophagus, you can have severe burning. And so the acid-lowering drugs are just not going to work. You might need a special medication to bind your bile. Remember to bring that up when you talk to your doctor. One thing we often hear is raise yourself, raise your pillows. Is that Does that work? I would say don't sleep on extra pillows because they can bend your poor little body in half and aggravate reflux. Rather, elevate your whole self. Use a wedge under your mattress or raise the head of your bed with six-inch cinder blocks. Chew a stick of gum or suck on a, a lozenge, which creates saliva and helps to wash the acid back down. Next week, let's go into a little bit more detail and learn what the triggers are for reflux, long-term risks, and when you need ding, 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 endoscopy. Okay. <laughs> Thank you so much, Dr. Ritchie, for joining us this afternoon. And I want to give a quick shout out to my Wildcats, Villanova winning their third national championship. Way to go, guys. That's it for this week of Women to Watch. Have a great week, everyone. And we'll see you next week here on Talk Radio 1210 WPHT. This program is a paid commercial announcement and in no way represents the views of WPHT or its management.